The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. It's Robin Hood. Robin Hood? Yeah! I love that story. I've always loved it, ever since I was little. Robin Hood. The heroic outlaw who robs from the rich and gives to the poor. <laughs> yeah. It's made up. There's no such thing. Ah, oh, you see? Old-fashioned heroes only exist in old-fashioned storybooks, Clara. What about you? Me? Yeah, you. You stop bad things happening every minute of every day. That sounds pretty heroic to me. Just passing the time. Hey, what about Mars? What? The ice warrior hives. You said it was my choice. Or the tumescent arrows of the half-light. Those girls can hold their drink. Doctor. And fracture 15 different levels of reality simultaneously. I think you've got a Polaroid somewhere. Doctor! My choice. Robin Hood, show me. Very well. <laughs> Earth, England, Sherwood Forest, mm. 1190 AD. You'll only be disappointed. Damsels in distress, no pretty castles, no such thing as Robin Hood. You called? Live from a gold smelter, it's Doctor Who, Pacha. The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 309, 309. This is Louis Trapani, and joining me on this podcast is the one and only, as always, AC, Dave A.C. Cooper. I'm, getting, I'm putting the A.C. before Dave. Hello, Dave. Well, at least it's not B.C. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's always uh, yeah. a, a, worth noting there, yes. We're going back in time in this episode, but not that far back. Though Indeed. you never know, just a teenager now. <laughs> well, back well, BC, in BC time, you were a teenager. Yes, no, no, I'm okay. I, I'm sounding like Ian now. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go there. I'll leave that to Ian. So I hope you're well. Good to be here anyway. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, I am. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, welcome all those that are joining us live on this broadcast of Doctor Who Podcast. As always, we're uh, we, we're doing this live as a live review here 
on talk shoe and those that are listening after the fact uh please know that we do every time there's a new episode the sunday after we do a live show reviewing that episode so um obviously yesterday was a new episode of doctor who and we're here live at 4 p.m eastern daylight time um it's still daylight time as we record this though as the as we progress into this series of doctor who it will change the standard time but i'm saying that so those are across different continents that have different um times you know daylight um, saving time um, if they do engage in that activity to adjust accordingly when that changes. But anyway, so if you want to join us, uh, you can join us on TalkShoe. There's a live chat. Uh, or if, you, if you're not on the internet, you just want to call in during the live show, it, the number is 724-444-7444. Again, while we're recording live, you can call, obviously, when we're not recording live, you won't get us. So uh, during the live, it's we're scheduled for an hour, but we usually go past that. So um, anytime, I would say between four and five thirty or so, we should you should be able to reach us. And our call ID number for the show is two three three five eight. And uh, once you call to put yourself in the queue, if you want to um, participate, you can um, you can do that by putting it on your phone by hitting star or asterisk asterisk um, eight star eight. We'll put eight. you. Yeah. We'll put you in the queue. Otherwise, if you're using TalkShoe, um, you can do that on the uh, on the interface on TalkShoe. They have a um, a, a, um, a TalkShoe client, if you will, that you can um, participate in chat and engage with us that way. And at the end of the show, I'll, I'll give out the podcast public call box number, and you can call and, and leave feedback for uh, um, you know if, when, when we're not live. Uh, that's 24 hours a day, or depending on how many hours your day has, could be 26, 28 hours a day, 36 hours a day. It's always available. So any um, there is some Doctor Who news, but that kind of pertains to our review of this episode. So I won't go into that now. It has to do with editing and this episode. But um, any other Doctor Who related news of import that we should speak about now? Well, the two things I can mention. One is the uh, Into the Dalek, last week's episode, the final ratings, uh, net show the final figures for the UK transmission, at least, of Into the Dalek, give the episode a consolidated rating of uh, 7.29 million viewers. Uh, this episode would finish about nine for the week um, on its airing time. And the only other information I've got related to Dot2 is... Um, it's uh, a birthday of, um, I lost his name, Toby. Um, where's he gone? What, where's he gone? Toby, Toby, what, um, the, uh, Toby Whithouse or? Toby Jones. Toby, no, Toby Jones. Uh, from the Amy's Choice, remember? Uh, the actor, he's age 48. That was the one, uh, Amy's Choice, you know, when he played the the, the first who, who gave them the choice between choosing realities. Oh, okay. All right, very good. There was, um, it was, well, speaking of birthdays, during the shooting of the, the episode that we're about to review, it was uh, Peter Capaldi's birthday when they were shooting it. Um, it's... <laughs> It has really no okay, no, per, yeah. no pertaining to uh, you know the the news because it's this is uh, some time ago when they shot this so but anyway since we're reviewing it I figured uh, and you mentioned a birthday I throw it in there as always um, and as as you know we're here to review an episode so as always 
Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 Ah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. All right, so there's going to be spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't seen it, um, you might want to take this podcast and um, um, save it until you have. But most likely, if you're listening this far, if you got this far into the podcast, you know that we're going to be reviewing um, the latest episode, which is Robot of Sherwood. And it's um, it's our, our episode that we're reviewing now. So if you don't want to be spoiled on anything that happens in the episode, again, take this podcast episode and put it in your back pocket or front pocket or if you don't have any pockets top drawer and uh, of your of, of a desk or filing cabinet whatever and save it there until um until you have and then take it out blow off the dust and and enjoy <laughs> all right well this um before we go any further let's talk about um who how this episode came to be it's written by uh by no stranger of doctor who it's written by mark gaddis um, and it's directed by Paul Murphy. And uh, um, so this is the third episode in the new series with um, Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. And, um, and as, the, uh, as the title may allude to, and uh, well, we're assuming you've seen the episode, so you know that we're, if, if this is a historical episode in a sense, and um, we're, we're back in time and we meet up with uh, with none other than Robin Hood. So he he's um he does exist. <laughs> uh, but out of coincidence. Ah, well, that that's the dilemma. Of course, the Doctor has for the first half of the story. Yes, yes. Well, I think there was a, a few things going on there with um, him, you know, and and the constant you know bickering and quarrelling with him, and um, I, I think you know basically the story is. Um, is, is one about heroes and it's kind of showing is it's putting a mirror to the doctor's face showing that, that he's a hero, you know, at least to, um, to Clara and, um, and, and to others as well. And, you know, and he's, he's facing that sort of with Robin hood, you know, and, and coming to terms with that fact of the matter, perhaps uh, it just, a, a, a coincidence this, the timing of this episode is really, um, for anyone that, that plays, um, the Simpsons tapped out. It's it's a it's a game that you can play. It's on iOS and Android and whatever. Um, anyway, I'm not plugging the game, but there are in event games that go on in there. And right now they're they're doing a takeoff, a spoof of another game called um, Clash of the uh, Clash of the Clans. And um, but anyway, but it entails building building castles and um, the character Lisa in The Simpsons is an art is an archer. And so anyway, it just seems to co- the, the timing of this episode seems to go well with that. If you if you're a player of that game, it has no Robin Hood's not in it. But <laughs> so but, but getting back to what we're talking about uh, this episode, uh, Peter Capaldi, as I said, is um, is playing the part as the doctor. And I feel in, in this episode, we really see him settling into the part. Um, I, you know, he seems a little bit more comfortable in the part and I, I saw him as, as, you know, being a bit, you know, a little bit more, uh, like I said, comfortable and doctorish though, yet in his own unique style, he, it's, uh, you know, I, you, I get a flavor of other doctors in his portrayal, but it's still unique to his own. Um, I also like the fact that he's not wearing the white shirt. The, the one thing I always 
disliked about the JNT era when, um, you know, he introduced a lot of things, but that whole uniform look where everyone was, you know, was wearing the same thing story after story after story got a little old and eventually that stopped. But, you know, Tegan was in a stewardess outfit for God knows how many stories. And um, even the fourth doctor had that burgundy ensemble for the whole series, the whole season of that. But um, so I'm always glad to see the doctor changing his, um, his costume, his clothes, you know, keeping it the same, but changing it up a little bit. So um, it's glad to see that. Oh, and speaking of past doctors, um, one past doctor does make a cameo of sorts in this. Uh, Patrick Troughton is seen in this episode, though you probably might not have recognized him. Um, <laughs> he played Robin Hood. Though not the Robin Hood in this story, but uh, there's a scene where they're going through the memory banks. I love the term memory banks. That is so classic sci-fi. You never hear like memory banks. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems to like been a a um, a, uh, a uh, you know a standard term in science fiction up until like the 60s, maybe early 70s, and then it just seemed to go out of favor. And no one used memory banks, and I, I was glad to see. Uh, to hear that term being used again. So, uh, so you know, the, the, there's a scene later on in this story where they um, they access the memory banks and they, there's all these um, artist renderings of Robin Hood. But then there's this photograph and it's actually Patrick Troughton playing Robin Hood in, in, a, um, he, in a role he did in 1953, I believe it was. 53, yeah, 53, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I thought the direction, um, just some of the technical aspects of this um, of the episode itself was was good. Um, good direction, direction of photography, um, great shots, point of view shots, angles. I enjoyed that. I'm aware of the colorist, you know, and maybe it's just me, but it, it, it just maybe if if, if it just gone a little, just a little degree, it's okay. It's not. It's just. I'm just aware of it that that certain scenes are, are are very warm and other scenes are very cold and colorized. It's okay, but it's just, it just maybe on a gauge on a knob if they turn it to six, maybe if they just turned it back to five a little, I would I would well, be a little the, happy. The ship, the ship was there was an explanation for that, wasn't it? The ship was supposed to be leaking this gas. Oh yeah, no, no, but I'm affecting the. I'm just thinking it's just the whole episode, like when they're in the dungeon, it's very blue. Um, you know, when, when we're, um, then there's scenes with Clara and, and um, I mean, it's not, it's not bad. It's not to the point. I thought the first episode, I thought, I thought um, deep breath. There was this, the, the London scenes, the outdoor London scenes were too much. They were too overblown, too cold, too, too blue uh, for, especially for earth. Um, it just seemed a little bit too much. You know, I think the, the knob went to number 11 on that one. When it should have stayed on eight or something like that. Again, it's it, it's not to the point where I'm, I'm just nitpicking here. I'm just uh, I, I didn't think it was uh, too distracting. I think also, I mean, uh, you may well watch in HD, but I do know certainly here in the UK, the HD version always has uh, you know a deeper color saturation. Well, um, more more con content. I think they go up to uh, ten digit color rather than eight digit. Uh, so you do get a wider uh, colour gamut that may be more noticeable. But um, I can see your point, but there at least was a, a story element that explained that. I mean, I noticed when they were in the Dell, when they first meet the gang, uh, they'd obviously, uh, some of the grass looked very um, 
you know, not very green grass, but next to it were very bright flowers as though they'd sort of uh, try to you know, spring it up a little bit. Uh, and as you saw the top edge of the, the dell, the trees look half there, but the uh, the near foliage look very, mm-hmm. you know, in bloom, as though they sort of dressed the set, but tried for for the sake of cost only to dress the bits that were in camera, as it were. Yeah, and if, if you really got a keen eye, and again, they can't control the weather, I'm not... I'm not dissing them on this or anything like that, but they did the best they could under the circumstances. But the the scene which the tournament with the arrows and, you know, they were shooting um, that, that scene with the, when they were shooting the arrows on who was going to be the best um, archer. Uh, there's, there's scenes that are overcast and scenes that are done in direct sunlight and they did their best to, to make it all look the same, but it, um, you can tell they would switch from scene to scene. And, um, you know, again, you can't control the sun and the clouds. So, uh, you know, I, I, and it's only like on the second yeah, viewing course, that you'd kind of notice that. And of course, the scene that may only last five minutes on screen, they may have filmed it. Over oh, yeah, a few could, have, days. could have been oh, a couple of days. In the morning, yeah. they all gone off for their lunch. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Come lunch, you come back, and the clouds come over. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it's edited together. You, you'll see one scene where it's overcast, and then you see the nights coming, and it's sunny. Then they go back to the to, to our heroes, and it's it's overcast. But they, they did the best they could in post production to kind of even out, even roll out the brightness and all that, so it didn't look too, you know. It, it's I, again, I'm 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 not. You know, it, it, it's yeah. not marks we, against. We it's not marks see. against the episode. It's. I'm just pointing things out. Uh, well, I'm thinking that. I mean, were you noticing this because you weren't really involved in the story? I noticed it um, on the second viewing, not really so much on the first. So, uh, on the second okay. one, I tend to notice a little bit more ancillary things. I do like. Um, the, but speaking of little things, whatever the, uh, the, the and, and and speaking of the arrows, and uh, I, I love the scene where. You know, there's an arrow in the TARDIS, and the Doctor removes it, and the TARDIS heals itself. Uh, I thought that was um, a great scene there because um, it, it's not. It, it may appear as just like a wooden box, but it's really not. You know, it's 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 you're doing mathematical computations and block transfer computations, whatever, to present itself the way it is. So it's um, of course, it, it, as soon as you take the arrow out, it, it just mends itself. Um, I, um, also, um, the Doctor, uh, we see him there earlier on in the episode, in the teaser before the credits, uh, eating, I don't know if he's eating ice cream or something, he's eating something with a spoon, and then later we see him again. I just think fighting with a spoon is uh, very classic, you know. Right, and uh, I was thinking earlier, just something popped into my head, I thought it was ice cream, but since he's got the Scottish accent, maybe it was porridge, maybe just at his breakfast. It, it, it could be, I'm, you know, I can't really tell. Uh, I love Tom Riley as Robin Hood. The actor Tom Riley, I think, did a great job portraying um, this character, as I did with um, Ben Miller, who plays the the sheriff. In fact, watching this, I, I would say, you know, he would make a, you know, because of the beard and all that, I couldn't help but um, draw some parallels to the master. And I said, said to myself, you know, he, he would, because he had this um, this facial... He, the way he presented himself, you can tell he was thinking things out behind his eyes. And that's what I always liked about the previous masters before Dr. Who came back. You know, um, he, he was always, you could always tell he was thinking and manipulating things. And, uh, you know, I, I, just, I still love Roger Delgado as my, my favorite um, master. So 
but just seeing him there with the beard and all that just it, it made me think of the master, and, and I thought he would make a good master. I mean, obviously he wasn't the master, but it was um, just one of those things, one of those thoughts. Uh, and, and 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 speaking of which, speaking of going back to Roger Delgado's time, you know, going back to the John Pertry era, I love the reference to the miniscope that was um, that goes back to the Carnival of Monsters. Oh yeah, which. Um, I believe Dave, you had mentioned it in our in one of our Doctor Who podcasts recently. I, I I forgotten, you know, how it came about, but it, uh, well, well, yeah, yeah, it was to do with the last episode about inside the Dalek. Inside that was a little bit how, when the Doctor was miniaturized. Oh yeah, okay, that, that's when you brought it up. Okay, yeah, so that was the reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Um, I thought. Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, through the whole episode now. After the first two, of, of course, I'm, I'm expecting Missy to show up, and thank goodness I was wrong. There was no, at least I didn't see her. I, I don't think there was any. She was like lurking in the trees behind anything. So I, I don't think I think this is a Missy-less episode. I, I didn't miss Missy, though I kept on expecting her. Though we did get the reference and the, you know, to the promised land, and um, so I guess that. You know that that's the the arc tie-in right there, where the ship was. Um, I, I think it was, its original destination was uh, the Promised Land, I believe. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, that was just. I mean, it, it didn't impact much on the story, but at least it, it kept the continuity of the idea there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not that it's really necessary, but again, it's this what we have to do with these story arcs is uh, tie them all together and. Um, you know, whatever. I, I already expressed my my desire for a series that didn't have any story arc. You still could have an epic climax and an epic, um, you know, series finale without having everything build up to it. You know, and just or or, or maybe have things build up to it in a different way where it's just not so in your face. Um, anyway, I, I'm I'm treading over stuff that I already spoke about, so. Um, but getting to the news story, the the news story about this episode that was um, came out a few days before, or half a week before this was released, was that there's a scene that was edited out of it, which I completely, you know, I, I read, the, I posted the news story, so I, I, you know, I knew about it. But uh, when I sat down to watch this episode, I completely forgot about it, and then I, rem- I was uh, reminded about it afterwards, and I'm like, oh, I didn't miss it at all. There's a beheading scene um, that was obviously because of what's going on in, in today's current events, um, it was chosen to be edited out. So, and I think rightfully so, though I haven't, I, I can't say that with, with authority because I didn't see the, the unedited scene, but, but I, I, I think it probably was a wise choice. I mean, I, and I don't think the episode suffered for it um, at all. Um, well, I think that's a bit of a moot point because um, I mean, the, it wasn't just. A, I mean, do you know the the background towards this beheading? I don't know the the, the scene itself. Um, so, right. One I of mean, the, do you want me to just go briefly into it? Oh, if you like, yeah. The, I mean, the only thing I know is that I think it wasn't a human beheading. I think it was a robot beheading. Well, well, that's the point. The point was it was the sheriff that was beheaded, and the sheriff wasn't fully human which changes a, a critical part of the storyline. Really? So it was the sheriff that was beheaded? Because we see him... So he then had to put his head back on. So he was... He's, yes. he's partially... He's cyborg? They, 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 
they, they throw a, a sack over his head. Robin chops his head off. Uh, it rolls to the floor. Then the body of the of the sheriff rises up from the ground, and the the head of the sheriff is put back on the body. So then he has to be killed again. But the point is that um, that changes the whole thing because. In the storyline at the beginning, uh, we know that the Doctor's trying to fathom out what's happening. Is this happening in the Minisco? Is this um, uh, a future theme park he's at? You know, he's trying... Because he's, he's, he's adamant, isn't he, that uh, sure, um, Robin Hood didn't exist. I mean, here in the UK, most people think that, that there's, there were three or four people that had the name Robin, Robin of Loxley and Myth, and there may have been some, you know, truth that there was a certain person, but... The, the doctor's adamant it's all myth, therefore he's approaching the whole thing that, you know, what's really happening here. Uh, and at the point where they're actually in the spaceship, quite a way down the show, maybe we should have a clip in a minute, but yeah, I was quite a way down that. the show. Uh, uh, well, do you want to... I'll oh, play the next... No, well, let me finish the yeah, Let me let you let, let, finish your thought. I, I, I want to talk more about well, this. Well, the point is, he, he then says that he, he, he turns to Robin and thinks you must be a robot, which makes the sense of the title of the story, yes. Robot of Sherlock, yeah. that Robin is the thing. But see all these other robots, people say, well, should it have been robots of Sherlock? That's what but I was thinking. If yeah. the edited scene hadn't been cut out, mm -hmm. the actual robot is the sheriff. The so, sheriff is the robot. So the, the right? sheriff is a robot then. I feel like we're talking about Blade Runner now. So the sheriff is a robot. He's not... He's not a cyborg because well, he's a cy well, he is a cyborg because he's got his own head, but he's got. Um, yeah. But the point is, I mean, first of all, this is not canon now because it wasn't shown, and wasn't aired. So you could argue we shouldn't really be debating it. But it does. For some people who think the plot didn't make sense. Well, I do think the title the title didn't sense. make sense. I, I mean, I, I'm I'm in the camp that's saying, oh, it should have been robots of Sherwood. Or actually, there was a, there was another line somewhere, and, and I forgot what it was, but I, I thought it would have made a, a better episode title. But since I can't remember it, I'm not going to forget about it. Um, but yeah, now the episode makes sense if if the um, you know if if it's the um, the sheriff. But I, you know, I'm I'm disappointed. I'm glad maybe they did. Maybe I. I'd rather see him as um, as human, but the human foils and what I don't know if he's a robot. But you said he's not really a robot; he's a cyborg. So it's it's really yeah. Apparently, uh, the story is that when the ship crashed, it basically claps on him like the Wicked Witch of the West. I see uh, Christie's body, uh, and they they put it back because one of the things that really floored me and again uh, that would be jumping to the end. But I mean, is it? Are the only inhabitants of the spaceship robots? Have their masters died? Are they the masters of their own fate? Did they recruit, you know, you know, say, right, to the sheriff, you're going to be our leader? We, you know, uh, a little bit like the, uh, from the, um, the Cyber King episode, you know, uh, going back to that one where the, the, uh, the Victorian lady was recruited to become new cyber leader and, Oh no! I shouldn't even talk about that episode. I hate it. Um, play clip. Yeah, let's play the next clip. I I got so involved in talking about the episode, I forgot to play more clips. So here, here we go. This is Will Scarlet. He is a cheeky rogue with a good sword arm and a slippery tongue. My lady. What do you want with my hair? Well, it's realistic. I'll give you that. 
And this is Fryer Tuck, aptly named for the amount of grubby tucks in You skinny blackguard! <laughs> what are you doing? This isn't a real sandal. Yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. This uh, is Alan Dale. He's a master of the loot, <laughs> whose music brightens up these dark days. They're strange. You are welcome here. Sherwood's body glazing. Ow! Blood analysis. All those diseases. If you were real, you'd be dead in six months. I am real. Aye. This is John Little, called Little John. My loyal companion in many an adventure. <laughs> oh, I cannot believe this. You... You really are Robin Hood and his merry men. Aye, that is an apt description. Ha! What say you, lads? Aye! Stop laughing. Why are you always doing that? Are you all simple or something? I thought uh, Jenna Coleman did a once again did a great job with Clara. I think Clara worked well in this story. Oh, I think she's the best thing in it for me, certainly. Mm. Uh, and. Uh, Without, without, you know, stinging because she looked so beautiful. I mean, she certainly did. But I thought her scenes were great. She mm-hmm. held her own with the sheriff in the uh, in the mansion room or whatever it was, the dining room. Um, she uh, she, you know, got that sort of real spirit of adventure when uh, she wanted to the doctor to take her to Robin Hood. You can almost see why she enjoys. Remember, she says that the doctor's her hobby. Uh, now you get a sense of why she wants to follow the doctor because uh, even as a girl in childhood, uh, you know she had heroes and wanted to meet her heroes, mm-hmm. and she sees the doctor to her as a hero, and, and that seems to be what Mark Gatiss is getting yeah. back all the way through this story, yeah. isn't it? That um, um, and I think you used the word earlier, mirror. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned it in the the the. Um, the deep breath one where you know he's holding up the mirror to the uh, the, the the half-faced man and you know the doctor's looking at his own reflection and um the self-discovery almost of the doctor even though he's in his you know his 12th it's the 12th doctor uh, we're getting very much this sense of he's um very insecure he's not sure about himself he's not even sure that clara should be with him he's not sure whether he is a good man and um I suppose that's the thing they're going to explore this series. We had the ninth Doctor, who was a a wounded man. Um, We had the uh, absolutely optimistic uh, tenth Doctor. We had the... um, He came overconfident, didn't he? He became the Doctor victorious. Uh, Once that happened, we knew that his days were numbered because the Doctor can't be like that. Then we have the sort of gawky, um, schoolboy, adolescent Kamal man, 11th Doctor. Now we have a Doctor who who, who we see as an older man, but yet is, is, is portrayed as being quite unsure of what his character is, where we don't know how much of his memory he's still got, uh, what he's brought forward. Mm-hmm. And this story seems to explore that more. So as we're exploring what's the truth behind this story is it fact fable um you know uh, a holographic illusion or whatever it happens to be um 
the doctor's again not sure of himself and um I didn't see it like this because uh, I, I, I didn't particularly like the first part of it, but uh, a few comments that I've heard from people is that, um, you know, uh, the the Doctor is, has those silly exchanges like in the, the dungeon because he's really not taking it seriously. He's not thinking... He's, he's thinking he's at, he's at Westworld, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. uh, that the robots can't shoot him. Yeah. Um, uh, so... He's he's not taking the conversation serious, where Clara's thinking, I'm living the dream here, this is marvellous. Uh, and her belief, uh, how could you not doubt, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. right, I'm going to... Um, I mean, the... Uh, no, no, I was just going to play another clip since I... Uh, but I don't want to inter interrupt your thought. No, 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 please do. Okay, here we go. Splendid. In chains. Yep. Trust up like turkey cocks. Was thanks to your friend. Shut it, Hoodie. I saved your life. I had the situation well in hand. Long-haired ninny versus robot killer knights. Where would I put my money? If you had not betrayed me, I would have been triumphant. You would have been a little puff of smoke and ashes. Ah. You'd have been floating around in tiny little laughing bits. In people's goblets. Bonderdash. Ha! Oh, right, here we go. It's laughing time. <laughs> you amuse me, grey old man. God! <laughs> it's laughing again. You can't keep me locked up with a laughing oh, person. I, I, I find that quite funny. Do, do you know, I feel another laugh coming on. Ha ha ha! God, I cannot <laughs> remain in this cell! Execute me you now! You execute the old fool. No, no, no. Hang on. Execute him. I do not fear death. So execute away! Execute him. I'd like to see if his head keeps laughing when you chop it out. Oh, Robin Hood always laughs in the face of death. Yes, rolling around the floor laughing. I would pay good money to see that. God! 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 When first watching this, <laughs> I, I, I thought maybe they, yeah. they went on a little bit too much, where, where you know, the Doctor and, and Robin are constantly bickering and fighting. I, it, it, I, the first time watching it, I thought maybe it got a little too much or maybe it was bordering on, on annoying a little bit because, um, but... Oh, or, it definitely was. But yeah. in, in hindsight, though, I think maybe the Doctor is seeing himself in Robin, again, seeing a hero. And sometimes when, when you're confronted with someone that's too similar to yourself... It irritates you, and 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 you fight against it, and um, and maybe that's what's going on here. But um, it, it just seemed like it it didn't it seemed out of character for the doctor to to be you know going on and on like that, you know. But then again, I mean, we're still establishing who the twelfth doctor is. So, uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I think you're right there. I mean, the only little bit of that scene I actually liked. Was the 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 line that the doctor then says? Um, At least well, this one good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clear, In other words, he didn't want to look stupid in and incompetent yeah. in front of her. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I'd been put off all the way back to the beginning with the um, with the, the the spoon fencing scene. I mean, uh, um, I, I didn't like that at all. Although obviously it was a clear. Uh, we were getting more references, and uh, uh, you can argue. Uh, the long-time fans will like these references. Those are the things that saved it in some ways for me, these little miniscope references and so on. And You could see uh, things in the story that could take you back to, you know, John Pertwee's stories and uh, uh, all sorts of stories. I mean, uh, 
what can he get from this? I mean, um, we can go back to Androids of Tara, we can go back to the Time Monster, the King's Demons, you know, there's the, the Time Warrior. I mean, there's, there's lots of things where, you know, there, there are things related. And uh, maybe maybe the writers are feeling a little bit more confident now that more people who watch New Who have got a little bit more uh, knowledge about, you know, the classic Who uh, and things. Mm -hmm. But um, that 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 uh, put me off somewhat. That uh, the sword fighting because uh, with the spoon. But it, of course, it was important because that that's the same trick that the that Robin uses to dislodge the sheriff off that high beam is the one that the doctor uses mm -hmm. at the river with yeah. him. And, and that, of course, um, if you've, if you've listened to the, um, they're not doing, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the special TV shows that they used to, uh, you know, the behind the, behind the scenes, ones, they, but they are on the, yeah, but the, they are on the BBC iPlayer. And, uh, I think they're, they're probably the same ones that are on iTunes as well, because there's, there's each week, right. there's like, there's like a 12 to 15 minute little short uh, behind the scenes, which I, I'm assuming yeah, is probably like the, the same thing. Start, like, the mini yeah. like the mini confidentials. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably the same one. They um, they did it um, last week and this week, and I, I think they probably did it for Deep Breath as well. Right. Um, but, uh, no, no. But, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, again, I was going to say the. Uh, the, the the the, the the contest that obviously Clara says, well, it's bound to be a trap. They know it's a trap. Uh, I mean, the archery seemed a bit daft there. I didn't like I mean, for the start, they were they were firing the arrows virtually straight at the target, where if you're even firing 50 yards away, you're going to have to angle it up. Um, and the other thing is that they played yeah. into my mind That's a little true. bit about the that Robin could have been um, a robot because... There's, there's a scene where he's won, but then the doctor comes, and we find out later the doctor's cheated. He's made homing a homing, a uh, homing arrow, arrow or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. But um, there's one scene where Clara looks at Robin, and Robin looks at Clara and actually fires the arrow without looking. Yeah. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, perhaps he is a robot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then we've got some silly scenes then. But the this gold arrow... Uh, they seem to be passing it around very lightly. And uh, an arrow of that, I mean, you could see the dimensions on it. It was a full half-inch thick and, what, nearly two foot long. Must have weighed a good 10, 12 pounds. Certainly 8 to 10 to 12 pounds. Uh, so it made no sense of them using it at the end. Because they weren't trying to knock down the ship. They were actually, actually trying to get the gold to the ship. Although whether a soft metal gold would have... Uh, not bounced off the side of a ruined spaceship, I don't know. But to me, that just didn't work at all in the plot point. Um, so, well, I, I think as some people I've been listening to already would say, you know, trying to make sense of the plot, you're not going to like this story. Uh, you either like the uh, the little, you know, vignettes, the little scenes, uh, and they lead us forward with the Doctor or not. But... Um, yeah, I'm just looking to see if there's, there's quite a lot of chat going on. Uh, those people listening to the recording later, there's live chat going on. Yeah. Uh, some of it is on topic, some of it isn't. But uh, we'll try and read any 
uh, things out that we catches our eye. But but speaking, of, you know, you made a good point there with the arrows. They should be shooting towards higher up because the gravity will bring the arrows downwards. So they were shooting straight on. So you, you the arrows would have went right into the grass. So I mean, you make a point there. The the other issue I had there with again with the magic wand. I mean, sonic screwdriver, magic wand, same thing. <laughs> um, it's uh, the unless they're packing explosives behind these uh these these targets there's no way that the sonic screwdriver could make one of them explode so i i had a trouble i had a problem there once again with um using the the, the sonic screwdriver as a as a weapon and as a um you know as a magical thing that that can make non-explosive things you know explode so um by the way did the doctor ever get his because the sheriff takes away his sonic screwdriver does he eventually get it back? Well, there's some speculation about that because it, it, it could well have been on the ship that actually gets destroyed. That it would be cool. It could be on the body of the... Uh, the sh- it could be on the body of the sheriff and it could have got retrieved. Of course, it doesn't, in one sense, matter if if they're intending for the, this doctor to have his own uh, solid... He'll build another one, I know, one I know. He'll build another one. I, I would just yeah, like to yeah. see him go a few episodes without it. I mean, it's just... I mean, I think the the scriptwriters rely on it too much. I've been saying this for years now since um, since the you know the, the series has come back. They've just been using you know it's 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 no longer a sonic screwdriver. It's it's a magic wand. So um, I would be happy. You know, it's sort of like the visitation. That's another thing Jonathan Turner did was um, even at that time. You know, it was felt that the sonic screwdriver was getting the doctor out of trouble too much too many of the times. Instead of using his head and thinking his way out, he was using the sonic screwdriver. Um, and he got rid of it, and it was the episode, I think, The Visitation, that, that, that the fifth Doctor, Peter Davison, loses it. Yeah. I mean, um, there, there were a couple of things mentioned again earlier. I mean, Darth was one of them. That, uh, you know, we never saw actually how they got out of the jail cell. I mean, we know that they uh, headbutted mm-hmm. the, the guard, yeah. Yeah. and we know presumably and somehow they prized the, the, the stone off the floor. Mm-hmm. But then they disappeared off to the armory, which may have been the most defended part of the castle. Uh, and you would think they were... Mind you, I think the Robin does show up with a sword after that. But um, the, the couple of things that seem to happen off camera. But, Do we uh, know where in the in the story, where in the episode the, the cut scene is, the beheading scene is? Um, could that explain anything? Yes, yes that, that, that's the fight near the end with the sheriff. It's just... Um, oh, OK. Uh, now, whether they actually filmed two ways of him dying... Uh, the var- that uh, the head went back on the body and then the fight continued. So they cut like a, a two, three minute section out of the fight. Um, but the thing is that uh, when you see the sheriff fall into that boiling gold, mm-hmm. I mean, you actually see the, the hands as though he's trying yeah. to climb out, mm-hmm. which only makes sense if it was a robot. doesn't make sense if it was a human. Because if anything came out of them, it would be just bones burnt to a frazzle. There wouldn't be any flesh on them, would they? Um, yeah, but you can't rely on Doctor Who saying true to science. Right, right. And the other thing is, again, was this just a ship of robots? I mean, uh, we had in the uh, we had in the uh, the earlier story, uh, you know, the first story. The fact that um, we had these creatures, that, you know, it was a sister ship from uh, the 51st century. 
uh, and they were cyborgs, or there was not much humanity left with them. Uh, they ended up missy-taking them. Um, whether, again, with the sheriff, if the sheriff had just been beheaded and it been left at that point, maybe the sheriff would have ended up in uh, you know paradise. So we don't know whether there's more cuts than the cuts they told us about. Yeah. Well, like I said, I kept on expecting Missy to show up, and I was expecting that you know the sheriff <laughs> to be there with uh, Missy. So I'm glad um, my expectations were not met. But um, I mean, we still got the reference to the promised land, like I said earlier. We'll be right back with our review of Robot of Sherwood, the third episode of the 2014 series of Doctor Who, starring Peter Capaldi as the Doctor, Doctor Number 12. So at this time, I'd like to remind you once again about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres, yes, including science fiction. They've got a healthy supply of Doctor Who titles, uh, but not just science fiction. They also have business, romance, thrillers, comedy, um, you name it, all different genres. Audible has it. Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere, just like this podcast. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial, so you have a chance to check them out and check out their service. And if you decide, well, hey, it's not for me, it's not what, really what I want or what I'm looking for, that's okay. Cancel, and you keep the, the audiobook. It's yours to keep. To, to uh, get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial, one word, dot com, podshock. audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And I know you might be driving or you not, might not just be able to get to that URL right now and you probably won't remember it. So if you go to podshock.net, you see links, you will see links to the offer there as well. And as always, we like to make a recommendation, um, a suggestion, if you will, as what your free audiobook could be. It doesn't have to be that. It could be anything that they have to offer for a free, for your free selection there. Um, so, but we try to do one that somehow relates to what we're reviewing or somehow ties into this episode of Doctor Who Podshock. And today's no exception. So you had mentioned, you had heard me mention Ben Miller, the actor that played the sheriff in Nottingham in this episode and how I thought he was, uh, he, he did a great job and, um, and, and, he, and he, his portrayal actually reminded me a bit of the master and, um, and he would have made, I think, a good choice to play that character as well. Um, but not only is he an actor, but he actually was working on, um, uh, before, before he, he's actually a comedian as well. Um, but before that, he was actually working on a PhD in physics. He knows a little thing about science, and he's written a book called "It's Not Rocket Science." It's um, it's a book by Ben Miller, and this audio book is narrated by Ben Miller. And just to give you a little description about this: black holes, DNA, the Large Hadron um, Collider. Ever had that sneaky feeling that? You're missing out on some of the truly spectacular science, do you? Well, if you're not, help is at the hand. Ben Miller 
was working on his physics PhD at Cambridge when he accidentally became a comedian. But his first love runs deep, and he's returned to his roots to share all his favorite bits of science. This is the stuff that you really need to know, not only because it matters, but because it simply will amaze and delight you. So that's a little description about this. It's it's basically it's a it's, a, it's an audio book. Uh, it's well, it's a, it's a it's a it's a book about science, science facts. I know our audience, uh, a good portion of it does enjoy um, science knowledge, even though sometimes <laughs> um, it's missing in Doctor Who. But that's another story. But it's it's okay. You can uh, this could be your selection. Let's hear a little bit of it now. This is, uh, once again, this is Ben Miller, who plays, um, again, the, the Sheriff of Nottingham in this episode of Doctor Who, um, Sher- uh, Robot of Sh- uh, Robot of Sherwood. Uh, but this is uh, Ben Miller uh, talking a little bit about science and, um, and his background on it. Puritan. We seem to find ourselves on one side or the other of these cultural tracks, centrally cast either as foppish, airy-fairy creative types or unwashed, unapproachable, socially challenged geeks. Needless to say, this schism is a very modern invention. For a kick-off, no king was ever more loving of the sciences than that lovingly restored fop-to-end-all fops, Charles II. And conversely, it's hard to imagine someone less likely to dissect a frog or launch a weather balloon than Oliver Cromwell. Yet the entire education system seems to buy into the contemporary myth that we are all either artists or scientists from birth. Can it really be that there are two types of human intelligence, one ideally suited to composing haikus and the other perfect for mucking about with a chemistry set? Why does science become such a passion for a few and yet such a mystery for so many? I think a lot depends on your earliest experiences of science and I was extremely fortunate in having one of the finest teachers of natural philosophy anyone could hope for. His name was Mr Bailey, and the things he taught me and my fellow infants at Williston County Primary School have stayed with me throughout my entire adult life. If you'll let me, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how, under his influence, I came to study the sciences. There's not a lot to say about Williston, the village where I spent my first few years. There were about half a dozen shops, which all appeared to sell newspapers a railway-level crossing which provided the lion's share of the local entertainment, some concrete playing fields with generations of children's broken teeth embedded in the tarmac, and a large housing estate where several hundred young families, of which we were one, clung to the lowest rung of the Cheshire housing ladder. Williston County Primary School had been recently built to cater for this sprawl of cookie-cutter housing and was modern, which in 1971 basically meant it had a flat roof. If you haven't grasped it yet, I'm trying to paint a picture of a thoroughly ordinary state school of the kind that can be found anywhere in the country, unremarkable in every way. Except that, in my opinion, what was going on in the classrooms of Williston County Primary was anything but ordinary, and that was largely due to our rather unconventional deputy headmaster. Mr Bailey was an unlikely schoolteacher. He cut quite a dash, tall and thin, with pepper-grey hair, a neat moustache and a sartorial mien that hovered just the right side of Basil Brush. He was boundlessly enthusiastic, loved a field trip, and practically lived for the opportunity to tell anecdotes. But of all his many passions, one reigned supreme. Maths. Maths, Mr Bailey said, was just about the most fun you could have next to British Bulldog. Practically the first thing he introduced us to was number bases. 
Now, the non-mathematicians among you might think you know nothing about number bases, but of course you do. In fact, you are absolute experts in one of them, base 10. As Mr Bailey explained, the reason we count to 10, and then in multiples of 10, is because we have 10 fingers. But why stop there, asked Mr Bailey, for fun? Why not count in base 8, as if we were Mickey Mouse and had only 8 fingers? Why not count in base 16? The point being that from our very first encounter with numbers, we were encouraged to see them as things we could play with. In fact, the homemade woodblock number base sets that Mr Bailey provided for our infant school were just as popular as the Lego or the Sandpit. To Mr Bailey, numbers were more than a necessary evil. They were entertainment. And though he can't have known it at the time, a knowledge of number bases was going to be very useful to a generation of children whose computers would be designed to run on base 2 or as we now call it, digital. The rite of passage for any child in one of Mr Bailey's classes was the day you qualified for your tables licence. Now this was done just as if you were taking a driving test, with two chairs placed side by side. The examiner, one of your classmates, sat next to you and quizzed you on your multiplication tables. If you passed, by getting them all correct, a serious little ceremony would take place, whereby an official-looking booklet would be signed and countersigned and your photo glued haphazardly on the cover. The small print declared that Ben Miller, the undersigned, has hereby been judged by Philip Buckley to be proficient in times tables 1 to 13 and is now free to use them in perpetuity as he sees fit. Occasionally, Mr Bailey would make spot checks. Excuse me, young man, I see you're multiplying numbers together. Have you got your table's licence? The usual fumbling about, looking for the vital document, would follow. Here it is, sir. Mr Bailey would study it like an overzealous border guard. Very good. Carry on. One of Mr Bailey's favourite touchstones was the louche. Once again, that's a audiobook called It's Not Rocket Science, and it's by Ben Miller. This could be a free audiobook selection... Uh, to download it or to download another selection that you choose that they offer for free, uh, you can go to audibletrial.com slash pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pachak for your free audiobook. And now let's return to our review of Ben Miller, along with everyone else in this episode, Robot of Sherwood. What is this place? A spaceship. More 29th century, the 12th databanks. Databanks, databanks. Where was the ship headed? Promised land again. Like the hard-faced man, but more sophisticated. Disguised itself as a 12th century castle. Merges into the culture. Tries to keep a low profile so no one notices. That explains the robot knights. The engines. The engines are damaged. They're leaking radiation into the local atmosphere, creating a temporary climate of staggering benevolence. Beg pardon? Told you. It's too sunny. It's too green. And there is even an evil sheriff to oppress the locals. This explains everything. Even you. It does. Well, what does every oppressed peasant workforce need? The illusion of hope. Some silly story to get them through the day, lull them into docility, and 
keep them working. Ship's data banks. Full of every myth and legend you could hope for, including Robin Hood. Isn't it time you came clean with me? You're not real and you know it. Look at your perfect eyes, perfect teeth. Nobody has a jawline like that. You're as much a part of what is happening here as the sheriff and his measured knights. You're a robot. I, I did notice his teeth were, were kind of perfect. <laughs> so uh, the doctor did have a point there. You know, especially for for that time, I, I didn't realize dentistry had come onto its own in the 12th century or whenever the time that was. So they didn't um, have sugary drinks and sugary. Well, drinks. that's that's true too. So, um, you know, well, there's that one that the, the guard that the, the one that was in the dungeon, the dungeon master, whoever he was, oh. he had um, I don't know what he had, but resemblance of teeth or once more <laughs> teeth. All right. Well, uh, we have Kyle in the queue. Um, we can get him on board. Anyone else that would like to join in, feel free to do so. Um, if you're listening, if you're listening, oops. If you're listening live, uh, you can uh, call 724-444-7444. And the call ID is 23358. And uh, star 8 will put you in the queue. All right. Let's get Kyle back on. Welcome back, Kyle. Good evening, Lewis and Dave. How are you this afternoon? It's good. Or evening, wherever you may be. Well, it's, it's, it's afternoon, evening, morning, somewhere in the world. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely well i've got a couple of things that i wrote down um did anyone notice and they did not look exactly the same but when they showed the robots when they actually revealed them i kept thinking okay something here looks a little bit familiar and i even like i said they don't look exactly the same however uh the robots of death from the tom baker era the facial features look a little bit similar. I was curious if anybody else noticed that. Well, they they, they were gold, weren't they? Uh, well, gold or so. They, they had, so. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, what you have reminded me of, and I'll be very brief. Um, I'm surprised if they don't get some complaints about the fact that when, when the robots were firing that death ray, uh, Lewis, it was coming out of a cross shape. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, so some people you know, using the cross as a weapon, uh, you know, as though the the Lord God has struck you down. That might start a few people being a bit upset. Yeah, I don't. It, it yes, seemed. I, I thought that too. It, it seemed like it was unnecessary. I mean, there there were, um, you know, other. I mean, there 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 when they were in the dungeon, there was a little like cross window, and the sunlight sunlight was coming through it. But um, it's that it didn't. I don't know. I didn't see the the point of doing it as a as a cross on the fort. Mark Gatiss, Mark Gatiss, using the cross to burn the uh, the um, what's it, vampires? Yes, yes, I think so. It's hot. It's horror background, maybe. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not really familiar with that. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm familiar with the. You know, you know Mark Gatiss is a real aficionado of horror. No, I didn't know that. I guess I, I should have known that from his first story, um, going back to the Ninth Doctor. That was a, a bit of a horror story. The Unquiet Dead. Now, another thing that I noticed, you, you, both of you have heard me make references in the last two weeks to not liking Clara. However, this week, complete 180 for me. Uh, she, was the, she was the highlight of the show. Yay! Yeah, she's very yes, good. I mean, 
absolutely. I mean, she did, you know, Jenna Coleman did an absolute wonderful job. Uh, like I said, she, the character for me made a complete 180. And actually, for the first time, she felt like a companion to me. So good good job for her. Um, one thing I did like, and I know several people have made comments about um, in writing that I've read, you know, and on this and Colton, that some of the banter between uh, the Doctor and Robin wasn't good or, or kind of got a little bit, and, and I did. I got tired of it myself. Kind of got a little bit overdone. However, the, what I did like was uh, at the very end when Robin and the doctor are talking right toward the end, mm -hmm. they make reference to we are all stories yes. and then something to the effect stories never end, which, of course, you know, takes us back to the 10th doctor. Uh, this song is ending, but the story never ends. And then uh, the 11th doctor saying we're all stories in the end. So I really thought that was a good play on words right there. Yeah, indeed. And last but not least, uh, did anyone else notice the, uh, that they added back, and I'll call it the segue or the entrance from the uh, going into the credits at the very beginning, going into the intro, did you notice that they seemed to add back a little bit of, you know, going directly from the scene into the music that there was something that was missing in the last couple of episodes. Did, you, did anybody else pick up on that? I mean, music? I mean, there was something... Um... Yeah, yeah, at the very beginning... Musical cue. Yeah, the cue, going into the music. It, it, um, it just seemed a little bit different, and I was curious if anybody else picked up on that. No, I have to, watch, I have to pay attention to this time I watch it. Yeah, yeah, go back and uh, listen at the very, very beginning, right at the very beginning of the music. It's, it seems to be just a little different. And then it's, you know, the same that we've had the last couple of weeks, but it seemed a little bit different. Now, I, now I'm going to go back and listen to it because I want to uh, describe to myself what I'm, you know, trying to describe here. But uh, other than that, I thought, you know, was it the best episode? No, I didn't uh, mind not seeing Missy. I like the reference of, you know, uh, mm -hmm. the ship going to paradise or, or the promised land. But uh, even though I do like the character, I like the fact that you weren't shoving her down our throats every week. So that I that I thought was a very good job. Yeah. And I think that's about it. That's that's that covers my notes. And how, how uh, many Tardis drones would you give next week? How many Tardis drones would you give it? Uh, I'm going to go base. On my liking Clara more, I'm going to give it a 3.5. Oh, okay, very good. All right, well, thank you Great. so much, Kyle. All right, well, all right, well, good, good, good deed, and I will uh, see you guys on social media. And next Sunday, we'll be back together. So have a great week. Yes, we'll be Cheers. listening carefully. Nice, bye bye. All right, take care. Cheers. So, is it true, Doctor? Is what? That in the future I am forgotten as a real man. I am not a legend. I'm afraid it is. Hmm. Good. History is a burden. Stories can make us fly. I'm still having a little trouble believing yours, I'm afraid. Is it so hard to credit? That a man born into wealth and privilege should find the plight of the oppressed and weak too much to bear? Uh, no. Until one night he is moved to steal a TARDIS. Fly among the stars, fighting the good fight. Clara, tell me your stories. 
She should not have told you any of that. Well, <laughs> well once the story started, she could hardly stop herself. You are her hero, I think. I'm not a hero. Well, neither am I. But if we both keep pretending to be... <laughs> perhaps others will be heroes in our name. Perhaps we will both be stories. And may those stories never end. Goodbye, Doctor. Time Lord of Gallifrey. Goodbye, Robin Hood. Earl of Loxley. And remember, Doctor, I'm just as real as you are. So that goes to what Kyle was talking about, talking about myth and legends and and, and that the Doctor is um is is like Robin. In, in that respect. I'm just thinking that little clip, uh, clip at the end where he said, uh, uh, and may our stories go on. I wonder if that's Mark Gatiss saying, hey, we're not having a hiatus because there's been some talk I've seen around the internet, people saying, you know, maybe at the end of this series, um, speculation about certain people maybe leaving or whatever, maybe certain speculation that Doctor Who might take a break. I think that might be Mark Gatiss saying, you know, no, no, no. Keep it going. I could always take over if you want. <laughs> With three generations, the Doctor's um, legend will continue on um, endlessly. So, like Sherlock Holmes, and um, there will always be Doctor Who in one, one form or another. All right. Well, um, getting back into the queue, our next caller, I believe, is Robert. Welcome back to the show. Sir. I protest. I am not a merry man. Hi, Lud. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you, you stole my thunder. I had that cue, Sir, too. I Uh-oh. protest. I am not a merry man. <laughs> well, great minds Uh-oh. think alike. I, I prepared that just for this, <laughs> just for this, just for tonight's live show. I was going to do that at the end. <laughs> but you, you got Sorry, me. Lewis, I didn't even steal your thunder. No, that's okay. Like I said, you know, great minds think alike. But I had that prepared. I'm like, I, I was going to do that at, at the end of the show. So, <laughs> Lewis, it's great hearing you back on the air. I really enjoyed the latest Podshock episodes. Oh, I'm thank you. Yeah. Glad that things are looking a little bit better for you. So, um, welcome back. I, well, I appreciate say, that. Um, thank you for the shows you put on so far thanks i appreciate that so um what did you think my review for what did you think of robert of sherwood well i was very disappointed and i was on called him earlier with dave and dave pretty much knows what i'm I'm gonna say i i felt this was more of a tale of two halves um i really didn't care for the beginning of it i i felt that um, the doctor was being more like the sixth doctor in a sense that he didn't believe what was going on. And, you know, it was almost, it was almost like the Perry doctor situation in this, that, you know, she wanted to go to the, the see Robin hood and he kept shooting her down. We kind of get the mention of the, um, the waters of Mars a little bit where he talks about ice warriors and going back to Mars and, mm-hmm. um, that if you listen to the music we kind of get like I guess it is Clara's music or the music that aired during the 11th Doctor but then it changes um, 
after the doctor says there's no such thing as Robin Hood, no such character. And did you notice that, Lewis, when you were listening to that? That about the music changing? I, I no, I have to take yeah. take note of that. I, you know, obviously, I, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I got the the point that, you know, he was kept on denying that 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 uh, Robin Hood ever existed, and then when he does meet up with him, he kept on challenging his existence. But uh, I have to take note of the music cue, though. Yeah, he he was making kind of a Westworld situation. He kind of thought of, or maybe Star Trek with Shore Leave, or something like that. Where yeah, yeah, of course. Um, he, you know, he made reference to the miniscope. That should have been last week. I think they made a mistake, and I think they forgot about it last week when they were doing the uh, being miniaturized. That would have been a great time to use that Carnival Monsters reference. But I guess they said, "Well, we'll just use it in this one." So that's where he. Said the thing about the miniscope, yeah. But it would have been kind of cool if he would have quoted the third doctor's line, you know, who's responsible for this? You know, the miniscope, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of out of a little kick for the third doctor there. But yeah, the, the whole thing was he didn't believe anything, so he was checking their blood and their hair sample and stuff like that. And, and it, it got to the point, even up to the prison where it got my one word for this episode is annoying. It was, it was annoying. And it seemed to take off better after they finally got out of prison and go inside the spaceship, which had a reminder of um, State of Decay from the Space mm-hmm. Trilogy, where the ship is, and the castle is actually a ship. Yeah. The same with um, this one in this story. Mm-hmm. So, and then, of course, the robots to death um, reminders. It would have been nice if um, when um, they were um, doing the archery and they were fighting that one robot, um, someone picked up the arm, and it would have been nice if they threw it back and the robot would have, been, would have responded, please. please don't throw it arm. <laughs> yeah. That might have been too, too, too much, but, yeah, that would have been uh, – for, for any long-time fans, that, that would have been – that would ring a bell. And, um, but like I said, after they get out, that's when it seems to finally go. And I really like the, that half of the story. The first half, I just particularly didn't care that much for. And Ben Miller, what, what a great actor. He would have made a great master because he just has that gravitas. He has Anthony Ainsley with, um, the God of sprinkled in. Well, I don't. I don't know if you heard me. I, that's what I had said in the, at the top of the show. I'm not sure if you were here for that. Uh, I I made that comparison myself. Yeah, I, I I thought if he was inserted in the Peter Davison era, I think he he would have made a great master. I think he would make a great and, master today. I if, too bad that he didn't you know didn't turn out to be the master. I thought. Uh, I kept on thinking of the master because he, I mean, obviously there's the physical with the beard and all that, but just the way he was maniacal and thinking behind his brow and um, it had, you know, it had, the actor portrayed some deep thought there where we hadn't seen that in more um, recent incarnations of the master. And Lewis, I just love, I'm Clara in this one. She was absolutely fabulous, gorgeous yeah. in the mm-hmm. red dress, um, mm-hmm. and and the way she kind of goaded his ego to 
get the whole story of what was going on, I think, was brilliant in this episode. Oh, thank you. Uh, let me just jump in there, if I may. Uh, uh, that was another thing, Louis, that if the sheriff was a robot, that undercuts that scene a little bit because he's not a man, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's why I was uh, disappointed so that's when you... the reason why it affects the storyline. That's why I was yeah. disappointed when you Sorry, enlightened me about um, about him being um, a robot a or a cyborg. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. The fact that uh, the, the bit they have to cut out, that, that the... The sheriff is, you know, an android, really, in a way. I mean, the yeah, title makes sense where, with it. Um, but, but otherwise, I, I, I rather him not had been that way. But I, you know, now, like you said, now there's going to be well, debate yeah. on what what is canon and what isn't. Well, Lewis, that would have gave a little jeopardy for Clara because in that same scene that was cut. Clara was being held by the body, and the head was cut off and rolled over to the side. This is a pre-screener. Mm-hmm. And he's still talking, still talking. And then she gets away from the body, and he picks his head up. So maybe they felt um, they wanted to make the sheriff more human in this episode and not make him just like another android. And, and that's the only reason I can think why they cut that off. Maybe. They well, I, I think it was more to there. do with current events, because otherwise... They should have changed the name of the episode too, because the name didn't really make sense until until um, you realize that the robot is the is the sheriff, not because otherwise it should have been robots plural of Sherwood. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It should have been an, an S if that was the case. Maybe that's what they had in mind, and they didn't change or add the S to it, or just decided well. Upon finding out, because I know they probably had enough vantage to know when these um, screeners were leaked, maybe to decide to change some things around, like they did in last week's episode, um, the change with the uh, Dalek, too, um, especially at the end where they changed that around. Yeah, no, I, I really think that the, this change was probably brought on by the unfortunate um, current events with ISIS and uh, what's going on in, in the. In, in the real world today. Yeah. Uh, and that reminds me of something else as well, though. It's the fact that, um, you know, if, if the mayor was not entirely human and they cut his beheading, yet they showed another uh, robot having his head cut off. That was the one where they were yes. holding the, the, yeah. the plates up and he actually blasted his own head off. So they cut one but didn't cut the other. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point, Dave, because I saw that scene and I didn't even... It didn't click. Didn't even click in as a beheading because it was just a robot head. So I didn't even see it. I didn't didn't register. Even though you know, in in hindsight, yes, it's a beheading. But it, I don't know. It just I assumed I, I all this time when you know this talk about the uh, there was a scene that was edited out of a beheading. I just assumed it was humans that were about to behead or humanoids that were being beheaded or about to be beheaded. I, I didn't. I never crossed my mind well, that well, it would again, have been an android. Well, that's, I mean, first of all, it may well be external pressure. They may not have had any choice and may not have had long to make the decision. But the point is that if you cut the beheading, then it also changes. There was no way without doing further footage of then still indicating that he was a robot. So, mm-hmm. therefore, his, end, his grisly end came in the, uh, the boiling uh, gold. 
And mm. there's no way you could tell. Uh, there's no way you could tell. I mean, it's not as though they went over and examined the arms and said, "By goodness me, my man, he was a robot after all." You know, <laughs> there's nothing in about that. So it, it makes more. Of it, the more you think about it, the more it changes. Uh, some aspects of the story. I, I think in time... And it would have been nice if it would have been taken by Missy at that, when you saw the scene of him in the gold. That could have been another great addition point. to great heaven. Point. Yeah, yeah. Especially since we know it was the it was the half-man, half-cyborg from the first episode that went to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Darth on our show earlier was making the point that the the girl in Dalek that was taking the soldier, uh, maybe she was one of these um, what they call Dalek images. The people that have the the thing come out the forehead, die stock and all that. Yeah, and, uh, the, the, come yeah. out of the hand. Yeah, the duplicates or whatever. They, they, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we don't know whether Missy's collecting non-humans that get killed by the Doctor. Well, we did get anybody who gets killed. We do get the connection with the promised land in the ship where the doctor's trying to find yeah. the location where the ship's going. Mm-hmm. And it said the promised land, so there's the arc. Yeah. So uh, the, it could well have been that the sheriff would have ended up there. But it, it, Mark Gates is kind of hit or miss in a, a lot of these stories. You know, you had the Idiot Slander and the Unquite Dead, still my favorite. I mean, we had Cold War, Victory of the Dollar. I mean, with, with him, I think he's better with horror than he is with comedy, to be honest about it, um, because he's like me. I'm, I'm a very big horror fan, and um, that seems to be his forte um, more than this story was. And um, I was actually going to lower this down to what I had um, into the um, Dalek um I had it like a 2.5 out of 5 was how I rated that. But I ended up um, rating this a um, 3 out of 5 for myself. But also, very much, I wanted to bring in too, there was a remembrance of um, the King's Demons as well, because they remember Chameleon mm-hmm. and how he was being controlled by the Master and um, he was pretending to be um, the uh, John. King John, yeah, which gets mentioned in this one, yes, where, uh, yeah. he's talking to Clara about how he was treated by King John. But that's all I had to say. I just wanted to thank you very much for having me on today's show. Okay, and um, no, it's great week. having you here. Yeah, I, I think care. I think in time we're going to find more about you know what was edited out and how it. It, you know, how it originally was intended to play out. And I think in time, all that is going to be revealed and um, maybe we'll have a different perspective on this episode. I don't know if, if it would ever be edited back in and then, re, you know, re-reviewing the story with it in, if it's going to change of opinion, will change of opinion of, of the episode or not. That's, you know, we don't, you know, it's a possibility, but um, I think in well, time... Well, actually, it'd be nice if they put these... Um screeners as uh, special features on DVDs when they released the series. It'd be kind of nice if they did that. Well, they, they may they include the the deleted scene as an extra on the DVD or Blu-ray. I mean, that's, that's a probable possibility. I suppose it depends if it has any impact on 
future storylines? Well, I'm just going to express that I really enjoy Peter Capoy. I think he's he's a great doctor, and it's going to come down this series not him portraying the doctor, but the stories. I think is what's going to come down to. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Robert. Um, it's great having you back on the show. Thank you. Cheers. And it was good good talk to you guys again. Thanks again. We'll talk to you later. Same here. Cheers, Robert. Cheers. All right. Cheers. I liked the story. I didn't. I didn't love it, but I, I did like it. I did enjoy it. It was. It's one of those light episodes. N- not to repeat myself, but I think um, Tom Riley's Robin Hood and and Ben Miller. I think the casting and um, the acting. And, and as we said, um, Jenna uh, Coleman did a great job there. Uh, I, I thought uh, Peter Capaldi was really settling into the part and and feeling more comfortable in it. Uh, th- there were certain things, certain aspects. Of the episode, I didn't like, but overall, I think I think the pros outweigh the cons, and I'm going to give it three and a half Tartus groans out of five. And um, I, I wish I could push it to four, but there was just something that's missing. I'm not talking about the deleted scene, but there's just something that was, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't really on the edge of my seat at any time. It was sort of just a, a laid back, fun episode, but. It could have been more, and um, like I said, I, I, I really, I think the, what really kept me going, what the, the enjoyment factor for me was, um, again, uh, I think the um, a combination of uh, of the actors I just mentioned, Tom Riley as Robin Hood, Ben Miller as the as the sheriff. I think Clara, uh, Jenna Coleman did a great job with Clara, Peter Capaldi getting into the to the doctor's shoes. And feeling him, and you know, feeling more comfortable and at one with the part. I think also going back to the direction. I thought the the direction of photography and the shot, shots were done very well, technically wise, um, technical um, speaking. It was done very good. That's the reason why I'm, I'm giving it three and a half Tardis grounds. Let me just mention Joe M G has put. Uh, I really like the interchange between. Uh, Robin and the Doctor. I think he's talking about that part at the end. Nice touch. Yes, that was yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's with Lewis because three and a half out of five. I don't see any of the ratings, but we have the text has scrolled a long way. Um, I only think I can only give it a two out of five, although I've got a feeling uh, now I, I can, you know, have touched bases with quite a lot of other people that also see that the plot doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, if I could ignore that aspect of it, uh, I'd like it more. Uh, I see what Robert's saying about being an episode of two halves, but it was... It, it, I mean, it did improve when, when they actually found the spaceship. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, did, I didn't like those interchanges, although you can... Actually, listening to the audio without the images, you can see that there's a reason why the Doctor's acting, to me, apparently very strangely because he's, he's basically not thinking any of this is real. So it doesn't matter. He doesn't have to... He, he, there are no consequences, because he thinks it's all, yeah. you know, um, uh, a ruse or a, uh, a screen or, a, you know, a generated fictionality or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, as, as the Doctor said in the earlier episode, Clara, 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 Clara. Uh, thought she was marvellous in that. She's, uh, she, I've got to my wallpaper at the moment. I thought uh, her, her enthusiastic uh, 
uh, you know, let's go somewhere for the doctor is really what you need in the companion. You've got, uh, I mean, I'm not saying this doctor's world weary yet. I don't think he remembers enough about his life to have the heavy weight of that 2,000 years that he's mentioned to actually be on his shoulders. I don't think he's got that. He's, he's more of a man who's recovered from a little mini stroke or something like that. That's how I see him at the moment. Uh, he's not fully functioning. And um, I don't think this... I mean, I think Bill Tipperaldi is great, and I loved him in last week's episode. I don't think he's totally gelled yet as the Doctor. Uh, I'm still not so convinced. It's not been the slam dunk that perhaps some people thought. Oh, it may, he may be for that. So um, I think the quality of the next couple of episodes is going to be crucial to how we see this um, this series unfolding. We've got um, one last episode, haven't we? We've got. 13 in all, but one of those we think is going to be the Christmas special. Although you could argue that the very first episode was one hour, 15 minutes, which I must admit, for me, turned out to be a little bit detrimental mm -hmm. because I think it could have done with a bit more judicious editing and been 10 minutes shorter. So I basically got slightly disappointed with the, the opening story. Absolutely loved last week's story. This one, I think it could have been a better story. I think it missed its mark somewhat. More, more arrows hit the mark than the story did. But I, did, I, did, I do think, you know, it was a lavish costume, costume piece. You know, they, they, they spent money on it. Um, and there was a lot to like about it. Uh, and lots of nice reference like the miniscope and so on and so forth. But the story itself didn't make a lot of sense. Maybe I should go to two and a half out of five. And maybe by the time I do a commentary on it, it'll have gone to three. <laughs> but I think that's about as... I don't think it's a story I'll be revisiting too many times. Yeah. I think... Uh, what's the What was the pirate one from way yeah. back? Uh, uh, black, black, uh, black, black, black something, black. Black. Death, yeah. Black. A bit like that, you know, where the... the, the oh, that was it. The Curse of the um, curse of Black Spot where you have Amy taking on the sword. And, and that ends up being a hidden spaceship on the boat, isn't it? Yeah. There seems to be a pattern, sort of like a... There seems to be, like, your, your episodes that are up and down, and this seemed to be a little a little light episode, and then next week, from the preview, it seems darker and, and more intense. So I, I think this is more of the quiet before the storm, maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with next week. But as you said, with Peter Capaldi, I don't... I, I think... Before his um, episode started showing, I think a lot of people were. Uh, I think it's it's wrong either way. If if you were going to dismiss him, saying, "Oh well, he he's he's not going to be a good doctor," without seeing any of his episodes, and also those because there was other segment of fandom that was just raving how great Peter Capaldi is going to be. I'm like, well, you haven't seen him yet as the doctor, and I think I, I just went in there with a clean slate. I didn't I didn't have any expectations that he was going to be great or horrible i just figured let's see and let, let this unfold as it does and that's and I, I still think it's unfolding i don't think it's completely unfolded so um i'm still waiting to see how it pans out but i i think he did seem a little bit more settled in the role you know um that could just be my perception but um but i, I think those, those that have high expectations of, or thinking about what he was going to be and, and a lot of people you know since he was there were a lot of comparisons with him and, and John Pertwee because of his costume and all that. And I think maybe some people are 
are, are making that comparison. And if he's not living up to John Pertwee, then then he's failing. You know, I don't know. Well, let, let's hope it is unfolding and not unraveling. Yeah. <laughs> that's how. So, um, all right. So that, that but that's good. Two, two and a half. Um, it's still it's still right there in the middle. Two and a half is right in the middle of um, uh, you know out of a five Tardis groans. Well, right. it, it really, if you want to push me, it's like one and a half for the story, and an extra full yeah. point for Clara. I thought she she seemed. I could see her very much. I could see Sarah Jane. I could see Elizabeth Sladen, you know, as Sarah Jane in that role and um, and doing what she did in this in this story. It just it had that classic feel. I, I felt, you know, I think she did a great job, and it just had that that warm classic. It was like the, it was like her very first story. It was like her very first story where she's dressed in green and, you know, mm-hmm. the Time Warrior one was it? Um, yeah, uh, that's true. I didn't I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, the, the, where they meet up with Link, Links was it Links, the Santaran? That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, well that's wh- a crushed spaceship in medieval times. Yeah. Know? Yeah, it's not the first time that um, Doctor Who meets up with, um, you know, with bows and arrows. And I mean, it, there's that story. There's um, the, the Silver Nemesis, where you got bows and arrows against Cybermen. And um, it's. Uh, oh, so is this going to be Peter Capaldi's Golden Nemesis? <laughs> you never know. I think you better end before I get too silly. All right, so we'll do a little preview for next time, which we'll listen carefully to. <laughs> the, the name of the episode is "Listen," so that's, I was making a little pun there. But if you have to explain your puns, I guess they're not really puns. All right. <laughs> What's that in the mirror or the corner of your eye? What's that footstep following? Never passing by. Perhaps they're all just waiting. Perhaps when we're all dead, out they'll come a slithering from underneath the bed. So next week is the the obligatory, the scary episode that that seems to uh, again work, working into that pattern uh, of um, of series, you know, where you have um, light, yep. light episodes, scary episodes, and whatnot scattered about. You can send us your feedback after the fact, after the live show, as always, by calling the Doctor Who public call box, the Doctor Who Pachak public call box, that is, and that number is two zero six. Three three seven four six nine nine. That operates twenty four hours a day, or how many hours in your day? It operates. It works like voicemail. Just call. Just be aware of that. It's a U.S. number two zero six is the area code. Uh, you can also record your feedback on your smartphone uh, using a voice memo feature, or on your computer, and send it to feedback at potshock.net. And we always welcome your feedback um, during the live show or after the live show. All right, so we'll be back next time. Again, you can catch Dave on the Cultum Collective at 2 p.m. on TalkShoe at Eastern Daylight Time until it changes to Standard Time. 
um, where they're reviewing uh, Doctor Who as well at this time. So until then, cheers. Cheers. Bye, everyone. Yes. Take care. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshop, presented to you by the fan-run GallifernMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Sir, I protest. I am not a merry man.